episode of All in the Real World. Coming at you live from John Kane Arena. NBL Cup is over. Thank goodness. Um, I say thank goodness because it's been such a long week, um, a long month. You see, I'm going crazy. Um, thankfully, I'm joined by the two guys who I haven't been able to see this entire time, the, the entire time we've been recording this podcast. Steve Smith, Kane Pittman. Hey, guys. Yeah, what a grind this NBL Cup has been. I showed up last <laughs> night to the arena for the first time. Steve got here today. So, you know, we been, we've done the hard yards, man. <laughs> we we've we've we worked don't know really what you're hard talking on this. About. Yeah, this has been great. I what realize, are you talking about? I realize I've, I, so I've been to 33 of the 36 games. There was one day I took off, um, and then one game I came in late. Uh, but it's been just a lot. Double headers every night. Um, we've seen a lot of good basketball, we've seen a lot of bad basketball too. Um, often in the same game, and that's what happened tonight. We're recording this on the Sunday night, and it ended in a very, very, a very Perth way. The most Perth way, I'd say. It was Adelaide up, I think, 21 points going into the half. Wildcats open up that second half with a 19 nothing run, I think. Bryce Cotton did Bryce Cotton things, and they went on to win by 10 points and basically put a cherry on top of the NBL Cup championship that they had already won. Um, Kane, thoughts on the game? Well, I think as we were heading into the second half, it was not ultimately that it would have mattered about the NBL Cup, but it was kind of a, it felt like we were heading for a low key finish. Perth, you knew were going to win the NBL Cup, yep. but they were on the verge of an embarrassing loss. Let's be honest, they're down 21 points at halftime to Adelaide. to Adelaide, who at that point, I think they still finished on the bottom of the NBL Cup ladder. Right? They climbed above Cairns because they won a couple of quarters there, I think. Yes. But it was looking pretty bad for Perth. And I think the important thing to note, when they already had the NBL Cup locked up, they're making ground on United in in the NBL, in the traditional NBL ladder, whatever you want to call it, the regular season ladder. So for Perth, I think it's important as these teams continue to bunch up that they, they continue to win those games. So I think for them, not only was it a ridiculous comeback that Trevor Gleeson actually said post-game that he's never been involved with anything like that in his entire 17 years in the league, I think we actually witnessed something pretty damn cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the ladder now. United is at the top at ten and four. Wildcats are nine and four. And and look at the point differential. And this is the thing that's interesting to me. United have yeah. been in a lot of close games. Yep. They have won five games by five points or less, which kind of masks the fact that their ten and four record is good. It's impressive, but they aren't dominating the league like we prob- probably thought they were going to. And the Wildcats are also a Jesse Wagstaff open layup away from being at the top of the ladder at this point, which is not the halfway point, but practically the halfway point. Um, Bryce Cotton's just absurd, though. I can't believe you underestimated Perth like this, Alden. (laughs) Me and Uh, only me. Only you. I definitely did not underestimate Perth. I definitely didn't pick them to not miss, you know, to miss the finals. So, you know, Perth, the Wildcats, they just get it done when it matters the most. They, Adelaide was up 21. It never felt safe. Not at all. Like, And you think about even Adelaide scored 28 points in the first quarter and then scored 28 points in the second half. Yeah. It's it, it's a very, again, it's a very Perth thing. Yeah. I've said it before. They're just, they're so organized. And if, if, you, ha, if you have the tiniest laps, then they're going to kill you, right, on both ends. And we saw that in that third quarter where they just, they were just locked in. They were a well-oiled machine on both ends and that's that, that was the death of Adelaide tonight um, I, 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 we have to talk about this most people didn't pick Perth 
to make the finals purely because of the roster that they had put together. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and it was a reasonable thing to think. Uh, we no one underestimates Bryce Cotton, but I think, like Steve said to me, you know, off camera, off, off podcast, we take him for granted. Yeah, we do. Right? He because at this point, he is, I think, clearly the MVP of the league, and we just no one talks about it enough, right? Yeah. Um, and then John Mooney just goes and does his thing, and Todd Blanchfield has, I think, the most quiet twenty points I've ever seen in my life. The, the Perth Wildcats are just good. They're, they're, they're constructed. Good. They know the system. They make shots when they have to. Um, and they walked away with 150k. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a nice bit of money. They go back and they get some home games in this next round too. Yep. Um, Steve, who else in this cup impressed you as far as teams that maybe going into it you, you were so-so about and then coming out of it you're, you're thinking this team could potentially compete? Yeah, there's a couple. I think um, I think Nathan Sobey in Brisbane. I, I didn't pick, certainly didn't pick Nathan Sobey to have this sort of uh, scoring outburst. I, yep. I think that's probably been the key for, for Brisbane, certainly. Um, and certainly Brisbane as a whole, they've, they've they had some really good results here. I think they can walk away and think that's been a qualified success. Yeah, look, five and three. Yeah, in the in the hub, yep. which is, I think, a solid place for them to be. Um, Nathan Sobey's shooting the ball at a level that, you know, I, I, he's shooting at like Bryce Cotton levels. Yeah, right. At, and I guess we're going to say Mitch Creek level. That was the other one. Now too, yeah, he's also just been shooting the lights out. But Bryce, so, but Nathan Sobey emerging is just a reliable as hell shooter and a genuine mvp contender I absolutely think. yeah well that's the thing if if brisbane can remain in that top four which I, you know i'm not entirely sure that they can but if, if they can stick in there then he's in the conversation the, the question is always going to be if the perth wildcats are where they're probably going to be mm. then how do you take it away from bryce um but kane you know Sobey as as an mvp candidate um did you see that coming uh, I didn't see that coming. You're right. He's shooting the lights out. And I think it's actually really interesting. You brought something up today that I think will be worth monitoring as we move forward. These teams have been in playing in the same gym. Yep. They've been in the same spot for weeks on end. And I don't think this is something you totally overlook because we've heard it from NBA players when they were in the bubble playing in the same arena. Yes, there was crowds there, which does change the environment a little bit. But I am at least a little bit curious to see where some of these three-point numbers go over the next few weeks. You mentioned another guy, Mitch Creek. If I was to say a team that's impressed me the most during the NBL Cup, it's probably the Phoenix. Yeah. Because I think when you take into account the fact that Kiefer Sykes has missed the last handful of games, the fact that Ryan Brokoff we know is here now, but he's really, he's going to take some time to find his rhythm. Ben Moore is now starting to look like the player that many suspected he could be when he was signed. The Phoenix, really, from this point on, are only going to continue to get better. Yeah. And the fact that they're already in the four, I, I think some of us had them on the fringe, but they're looking pretty legit. Yeah, Adnan's emergence is something yeah. that is... Well, he saved them. Absolutely, and, and it hasn't just shocked a lot of us. It's shocked NBL players. I get texts from NBL players during Kyle Adnan's scoring spurts just asking, like, what is this? How, how did he become this, right? Um... So, you know, that's helped them a ton. And I'm just intrigued just to see what happens when Ryan Brockhoff enters the mix, right? It just gives them such a luxury. And, you know, I'm underselling it when I call him the most elite role player that you're going to find. This is just the nature of the way his game is. But if, if Mitch Creek stays at, at least a similar level as what he's doing right now, and then Keeper Sykes comes back in and, and plays at the level he was before he got injured, 
then this team is really rounded. They have a lot of good pieces, I think. Um, Steve, Southeast Melbourne. It's, I I feel like if if Brian Brockoff plays to the at the level we know he will, I think their ceiling is a grand final team. Yeah, for sure. They're, and it's a minimum playoff berth. Yeah, absolutely. I think if especially as you said, if Sykes comes back and he's good to go, I think you've got two legitimate you know ball handlers in, in Adnam and, and Sykes. Like they don't have to play together then, and I think that was part of yeah. the issue that Southeast had at times was when they were paired together, they got a little bit body defensively, yeah. um, and the ball has to be in either of their, their hands to be you know for them to be successful. So it kind of got a little bit same same ish. So if you've got Adnam as a spark plug off the bench, and if you've got Brokoff spotting up from Sykes looks, plus Creek, and like Ben Moore had a great game today. So I think Ben Moore's been pretty. Yeah, yeah. Big. Ever since that curve's been going up. Like, Absolutely. Ever since the, 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 I remember the second game against Adelaide back earlier in the season, you could see what he was going to bring, mm. right? Just an active presence, a guy who runs the floor really well today. Runs the floor. Yep. He can he can short roll and, and make plays for either himself or others. I honestly think he's an underrated guy in that in that little system. There. Mm. Um, and again, I just think they have the pieces to to go all the way because depth matters. Yeah, I think, and as you know, Kane sort of alluded to, I think once you know Brokoff's got some some real reps under his belt in terms of just them training together, just getting acclimatised to, to what they're running. And he, you know, he had a couple of open looks today where he just passed the ball off. I think he's just trying to fit in. He's trying to just ease his way in. But I think once he gets really confident, he's going to stroke the hell out of that ball. Another team that I think uh, has made strides, but because of who they added, is the team we saw today in Adelaide, right? And I'm, I say that in the sense of, so we'll talk about Josh Giddy later because he's sort of a topic of, of himself. Um, but Brandon Paul coming into Adelaide and what I think he gives is he gives the 36ers a really palatable rotation now, mm. right? Where early in that first quarter, Sunday Detch got in foul trouble. You know, you didn't have to resort to one of those guys who would come in and maybe just keep you above water and, you know, keep things ticking. You got a guy, you have a guy who can come in and be a legitimate you know, offensive presence. And that's what he looked like. He had 25 points today. Shot it really, really well. Seemed to work well with, with Giddy. Um, you know, once you know he's in the mix and he gets, you know, acclimatized and you add Isaac Humphreys back in there, does does that... Adelaide had a bad cup, right? I'm looking at this, this thing right now. Two and six in the cup, that's not good. But do you see some signs... Kane, do you see signs of hope? Well, we know if you have an import that you really get absolutely nothing out of, that set you, set you back a long way. And let's be honest, Donald Sloan was... He didn't bring anything to the table. His, his high score in one game was 20 points. Brandon Paul came in today, first game, and had 25. And so just by virtue of adding him, if and I, I'm not expecting him to score 25 points a night, but if he actually provides that, uh, that offensive option, the scoring option that they didn't have there before, then I think he's going to bring the stabilization that I think a lot of people thought Sloan would bring. I mean, I think that people yeah. thought that he was going to be the veteran guard that would help Giddy. And we saw it today right off the bat. Giddy had 10 assists in the, in the first half. And I know you said you'll probably get to him in a little bit. But Brandon Paul is just knocking down shots. Yep. Josh Giddy's going to find you. So mm-hmm. if they have that guy that's confident to let it fly and, and knock down those shots, then it's going to be a huge boost for them. And also... When you don't have Isaac Humphries, who's been legitimate MVP caliber player, then it's hard to really judge this team without him on the floor. Yeah, I, I thought Brandon probably he masked a little bit of Adelaide's deficiencies in the first half today. Like I think he was just knocking down everything in sight, 
And so you probably think, oh, they're, they're going okay. And then you go, you cooled off a little bit, but the whole team cooled off and Perth got hot in the second half. And then you realise how much they're missing in Isaac Humphreys. Yeah, and the, the, what makes me hopeful is the rotation that you sort of envision, right? Which is the starting lineup of, it, it's probably, you know, Giddy, Sunday Ditch. I wonder if Brandon Paul starts at the, th- at the three sport down the line, but down the line, and then, you know, Daniel Johnson, Isaac Humphreys. And then you have Tony Crocker, who I think has shown, you know, in spurts that he, he's a, a good scorer. He yeah. moves well. Um, you know, to have him at Jack McVeigh, you know, Keanu Jack Binder, was really, Jack was really good today. Jack was good today. He's been good this entire cup. Yep. Right? He's a bucket. He's a legitimate bucket. Great shooter. He has good chemistry with Josh Giddy too. Um, Keanu Pinder was better today. He has had a really, really rough season. I don't think anyone denies no. that. Right? He was better today because if he just focuses on coming in and just being an energy big, use your. He's got the most athleticism in the world. He just doesn't use it on a basketball court, which is not great. Um, so if he just comes on it and uses that rim runs, gets gets rebounds, nice blocks, blocks nice shots, block shot. 100%. Yep. If he does that, then then you have an eight-man rotation that I think is pretty good because it has some really quality locals, including Josh Giddy, Kane. Well, we all cover the NBA. Um, you know, he's, there's, there's the talk of him being effectively a first-round lock, probably in the top 20. And I feel like the way he played today, the way he passed the ball, the way he shot the ball today... You know, six eight point guard who's really smart and can shoot it. Maybe knock on the door of, of the lottery. You know, what are you what are you seeing out there that you're just liking from him? Well, the funny thing to me is everyone wants to make the comparison to Lamelo, which obviously is unfair, and particularly now that we're watching Lamelo Ball play so well in the NBA. But I'll say this: Lamelo Ball was not running an offense the way that Josh Giddy is. Now, again, I don't think that's totally fair because of the situation in uh, Illawarra last season. But when you look at a first half like this that we saw tonight against the Wildcats, Adelaide, 60 points in the half, 10 assists for Giddy. And yes, you have to rely on your shooters to knock down shots. I understand that. But the way that he was able to get to the paint, and not by force, just by saying, I, I'm, I know how to get to my spots. I'm going to use a hesitation move here. I'm going to feel this defender on my back. I'm going to get to the free throw line. I'm going to drop off this pass here, or I'm going to get this defender where I want, and then kick it to the corner. That's the thing that's impressing me out of everything. He is actually in total control right now, which, again, I know you've spoke about it. Everyone wants to talk about it, but I just didn't think that that was going to happen so quickly. For him to look like this level of uh, floor uh, general, I, I just didn't expect that. He's always got time, hasn't he? Mm. That's the that's the key for me. Yeah. Like for any young player, he's got time. He never looks rushed. And even today, there were some passes that even his teammates weren't quite expecting, but they were the right passes to make. So he's it's just and his passes stay past. Like they have got some incredible zip on them. It was what was it? It was, it was a lefty bullet from yep. one corner to the other to Jack McVeigh, yeah. who credit to McVeigh as well kept the ball up. Didn't drop it, hit that three. Like those sorts of passes are special, and in in that first half especially, the the way Giddy was able to sort of read the mood of the game mm. and and understand that hey, if I push if I push this a little bit, you know, I'll I'll get into the paint, and if I get two feet in the paint and, and I know where my guys are before Perth is able to set up, then we we can we can you know do some work here, and I think that's what he did really well. Like, he read that, he knew that was coming. Um, and yeah, ten assists and a half. And granted, some of them were from you know finding guys who were fouled and then made them. It's the fever rule. If, yeah. you, if you pass to a guy who gets fouled, but it's the the nature of 
of, of an assist is you found a guy for points, right? So it, that, that is what it is. Um, but then him shooting the ball, the way he shot it in that yeah. second half especially, just with a ton of confidence. You know, he's got this thing now where if he gets switched on a big, that's that's a bucket. That's a three-pointer from the top of the key more yeah. times than it's not. Um, so I think, and I think that was that was the big question mark, especially his little slump to start the season. I feel like he sort of put that shooting thing to bed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a couple of times he got, you know, he, he got downhill after off a screen, and he just makes the right call. Like there's a couple of pull-up jays that splash, or more often than not, he's finding someone in the corner. You know, if it's Brandon Paul, it was a bucket. So he gets downhill in a hurry, and he just he knows where he wants to go, and he gets to the spots he wants to be at. Look, I feel like that's where we can wrap this up today. Uh, it's been a long cup. Honestly, the, the cup the cup was enjoyable. I think it was maybe two weeks too long. I'd like to see a, a, an NBL cup that's maybe two weeks long, maybe played five games each. It, it felt toward the end of it that the players were getting a bit fatigued. We were all getting a bit fatigued. Um, and I feel like the, the, the actual action maybe suffered because of that too. We saw a lot of blowouts and some weird quarters. You know, the amount of times teams scored eight points in a quarter was just very odd in this hub. Um, but look, largely a success. It, it was a cool it was a cool environment. I'd love to see them do this, and we've mentioned it before, in a, a non-COVID environment where you can sort of take over a city. Whether that's Melbourne again, I know teams are, <laughs> some teams didn't like the fact that Melbourne effectively got eight more home games. Um, Brian Gorgian was very vocal about that, but that was what it was. Um, but look, do you have any more thoughts on the, on the cup before we wrap this up? I'll just say quickly, shout out to the Porter uh, points rule because I know it was something that was overlooked for most of the cup because it went for so long. And if you're watching a game three weeks ago, someone wins a quarter, you're like, eh, what, what, what does this no. really matter? No. This is hard to tell what this is going to mean. But watching that Phoenix game today, all three of us were locked in every single quarter, understanding that the Phoenix needed to win at least three quarters plus the game to get the second place prize money. So shout out to that rule. I, it, it made the final day uh, pretty exciting. That game was exciting because of that rule. Jared Weeks had a three at the end of the first quarter and we we're all riding it because it didn't go. Yeah. But if it did, that meant Phoenix lost that quarter and they couldn't finish second. So we were all stressed out just figuring out <laughs> you know, if, if they're tired, what's what's the next yeah. thing that you have to roll out? <laughs> you squared um, the calculator out, figuring out percentages. It was fun. Um, and, and to wrap this up, just as we see Nick Johnson, the NBL general manager of media and communications or something like that, um, we are sitting here next to a mm. pile of decals. Um, very symbolic. Very symbolic of, I guess, the. Um, it, it's, it looks like a, a big rubbish pile of decals. Um, if you message one of us, we'll send you a photo. Um, but the NBL did announce today that they are going back to using last season's decals. A lot of players have mentioned that last season's decals weren't as much of an issue. So from, I think it was from last Wednesday until the end of the season, we are going back to those decals. And I guess fingers crossed that we don't have any issues with them, no more slippages. That's the hope. I'm Olga Nulich, Steve Smith, Kane Pittman from John Kane Arena. See you next time.